Welcome to Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a transformational life coach, comedian, and mother of two. And you can join me weekly to hear some intimate self-reflections and conversations with inspirational friends and guests from all around the world, sharing what they needed to break free from in order to live a life of purpose. We tend to assume that having a baby will be a happy experience. And for many lucky mums, it is. But how many go through postpartum depression and how many find the support to get through it? Postpartum depression is a serious mood disorder that affects some women after birth. According to Jen Carberg, a mother who set up postpartumdepression.org, PDD affects each person in a different way and to a different degree. Some women experience rare but extreme cases of the condition known as postpartum psychosis, and on the other hand, some women experience a milder and more short-term type called baby blues. Today on Breaking Free, I'm talking to Muna Shakur, stepmom to two boys and mum to one girl. She's a coach, trainer, speaker, and a self-proclaimed personal development junkie who experienced PDD and has many insights to share about her personal experience. Hi, Muna. Hi, Rania. Thank you for having me. Uh, such a delight. Also, I know that you help other parents now deal with their businesses and juggling and balancing their life so they can lead a happier, more relaxed life with their kids because of what you've experienced and what you've learned and how you've come through the other side. So I'd love to, to you know, know more about those insights and what you went through. Sure. So first of all, thank you very much for having me. I'm a big fan of yours, so I'm honored to be talking to you. And especially about this topic, because I think we don't talk about it enough. And I think that was part of the problem that I faced when I uh, went through postpartum depression myself about six years ago. Um, for me, what I what happened is that I thought that I knew what to expect as a mom. Both my sisters had kids. Most of my friends had had kids. I was one of the later one. I was 36 when I had my child. So I really thought that I, I had it figured out and I, that I knew what to do. And that if I had questions, I had people to turn to. So when my daughter was born, uh, when it came to the physical part of it, yes, I did have a lot of support, how to change the diaper, how to give her a bath, uh, what to do with her nap times, all of these things. There's, there was no shortage of, shortage of support from my mom, my sisters, my friends, uh, Google, uh, my best friend at the time. Um, but what I was feeling, I just couldn't explain and there was so much shame uh, around that for me. I couldn't understand why after years of wanting a baby and especially wanting a baby girl, that I was feeling sad, like sad is the word that I felt, but an overwhelming feeling of sadness where any moment I had to myself, which wasn't much, it was mostly in the shower, I would find myself crying, like crying uncontrollably, but quietly, because I felt like I couldn't share what I was feeling with anyone. I mean, I have a healthy child, a happy marriage. Her stepbrothers are so in love with her. Everything on paper looked good. 
So why would this mom be crying and be feeling so bad? Mm. And I feel like with a lot of the moms that I work with, when they come to me, they tiptoe around it. They don't want to tell me that they're feeling this way until I open the door for them. And I say, it's okay. And you're not alone. So many moms go through this thing. And I wish that when I, when I was going through it, that someone had said this to me. When I started talking about this, Rania, it's, it, it's, not, um, it's not something that I started talking about right from the get-go. I only started talking about this maybe in the past year, year and a half. And I realized that many of my friends and both of my sisters went through that, but none of us shared this with each other because there was so much shame around it. Mm, I was just going to say there's so much guilt and shame because you think, why don't I appreciate? Why don't I feel privileged that I am a mom? How can I complain about this? Did um, you have any of the other symptoms that postpartum depression has, like the anxiety, the irritability? Uh, big time, especially the anxiety. So I went back to work uh, when my daughter was three months old. And the anxiety was like through the roof. I had always, to be honest, experienced anxiety in my life. Generally speaking, I was prone to anxiety. So in the beginning, I thought this was normal. But then it got to a point uh, where I was having panic attacks. A few times on the way back from work, I would have to park on the highway on Sheikh Zayed Road in Dubai, if you know Mm. it park on the side one of the times there was a police car that came to me to say what do you think you're doing and of course I couldn't tell them I'm having a panic attack I'm sorry I'm going through something I just said I'm sorry I thought there was something wrong with the car and I drove off and I think it was at this point where I thought um, this is serious I need to talk to someone about it and the person that I talked to was my husband and I went to him thinking Uh, he would judge me not that he's that type of person but because when you're in this situation and you you just feel that you're the only person in the world who feels this way Mm. Um, so when I went to my husband uh, he wasn't surprised he said that he felt something was off and he was waiting for me to talk to him about it and his advice was please please go and see someone So, of course, I delayed for a little while, thinking maybe I'll figure this out on my own. I started Googling things. At this point, Rania, I didn't know it was postpartum depression. I just thought I'm depressed. I thought I'm sad. I thought I'm feeling sick. I thought I'm just experiencing major anxiety. Postpartum was not even on my mind at that time, which now, looking back, is actually funny. How did that not cross my mind? How did no one tell me that this is probably what you're going through? So eventually, after a week of two, after having the conversation with my husband, um, I went and I saw someone. And within the first 30 minutes of talking to this doctor, he said, you are going through postpartum depression. And the only thing we can do right now is get you on a pill. And I remember thinking, um, just thinking, that's not what I want for myself. I don't want the first few months of my daughter's life uh, to be with a mom who's on pills. You know, I had this really negative perception of anxiety and, and antidepressant pills. I was so against it. But I then had a conversation with one of my friends who's a pharmacist, and she recommended that I do take it. Mm. 
And until today, I say I'm very thankful for those few months where I was on the pill. It's like the fog in my brain suddenly disappeared and I could see clearly. I could see that this is, I could see what was happening to me. I could see the triggers. I understood uh, the hormone imbalance that was going on. Now that I knew that I had postpartum depression, I found a lot of resources that were very, very helpful to me. And I always say that I think if it weren't for the pill to try to help myself on my own, even through coaching or therapy, wouldn't have been enough. It was the clarity that I got from the pills that I was on for three months that led me into the life I have now, which is a life of coaching and teaching and training, um, because I was able to see that I can help myself, that I don't need somebody else to help me. So what do I do? How can I help myself? So I started going to coaching. And then I got into getting a certification for coaching, not really with the plan of coaching anyone. It was just for me, self-coaching, really. But then I fell in love with it and I decided mm. to continue on this path. Well, that's the, the, the crazy part is that so many of us have postpartum, but we don't know about it because nobody has actually discussed it or mentioned it as if it's something that doesn't really happen that much. I mean, why don't doctors, why don't midwives, why don't, you know, the whole team or um, people who have been through it, I don't know, why don't they just tell you that this is part of giving yeah. birth? You know, this is a possibility. Um, just like with any operation, you know, they'll say to you, what you can expect is this, it's rare, or it happens to most women, or, you know, they give you some information. So when it starts, you know, ah, that's what it is. I can go back to the doctor and tell them that I am going through it. Or, you know, your husband already knows that that's a possibility, so he would spot it. But nobody mentions it. It's like if you don't find out by yourself, you will go through all of that wondering what's wrong with you and people around you will also not understand um, and wonder why you're not coping and judge you. Yeah. And, and you and know what? The guilt and shame is just worse. You yeah. know what's interesting, Rania, is for the nine months that I was pregnant, I spent so much time reading and preparing. And, you know, with my first biological child, it was so exciting. Looking back, I realized that those nine months, what I prepared for was the physical part. I wanted to know uh, what to expect. You know, the book, the very famous book, what to expect when you're expecting. There's no mention mm. of what to expect on an emotional level. Exactly. And I remember reading, yeah, I mean, the word postpartum depression is something I had heard in the past. But when I did come across an article on that when I was pregnant, I skipped it because I figured, come on, if both my sisters and all of my friends and no one around me has ever experienced this, why would I? It means it's not that important. So they don't put an emphasis on it. And what happened later is, you know, when you go to the pediatrician with the baby and, and she's asking about you too. I wish I could have said back then, well, actually, I'm not doing well at all. Mm. But instead, I put a fake smile on my face and pretended everything was fine. I would like bite my, my lips so hard it would bleed sometimes at work or in the car or around family because I didn't want anyone to know what I was feeling. I was so ashamed mm. of it. I was actually showing how I was feeling 
that I was at a loss um, and not coping, but nobody took it seriously. Kind of like, come on, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you're not the first mom in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's true, the books really don't mention. I mean, I don't ever remember coming across any information saying anything about that. It's more about the feeding, the sleeping, the the teething, you know, after three weeks, they go through a different growth period, that sort of thing. And when you actually have the baby, the emotional side, the lack of sleep is really, really difficult. And I think we were talking before, like if a man had to do that without going through all the hormonal changes, you know, they would also probably feel really depressed or anxious and and exhausted and it would affect their emotional state as well absolutely absolutely and i think i think our society and the way that community treats new moms is not helping with this with the situation because i really i know it's a cliche but i do believe that it does take a village to raise a child and with new moms, if we did have this kind of village that's not only supportive physically, that don't just cook you meals and, and you know, buy things for the baby, who are there to listen to you, to um, without judging you and to be there for you, that, that I feel could be one of the solutions to postpartum depression, because I know a lot of moms who went through it and didn't need the pills because they recognized that that's what they're going through and they voiced what they were feeling and they asked for help, which for me was the biggest learning later on is I wish I had asked for help. So now what I, what I say to new moms is, of course, ask for help. And what I say to us moms with older kids is offer help. When a new friend has, when a new mom has a baby, offer her help, um, open up conversations, let her feel free to talk about what she's feeling without feeling that she's being judged. So we need to ask and, and offer help. That's, that's one of the ways. It is a village and it does take a village. Mm. I was utterly shocked at how difficult it was um, to, to raise a child and I felt a duty to tell all mothers or mothers-to-be, you know, both sides of it, mm -hmm. of, of what to expect, um, because I really felt lied to. I really felt tricked by society. You know, why haven't other mums told me? Why do they make it look like it's easy? And it's because everyone's trying to put on super mum, brave face, because they feel guilty to, to say that they're not coping or yeah. they might struggle. And I think today's society as well makes it even harder. They expect us to be these super women that get our figures back immediately, get back to work, um, juggle everything. And to have a smile on your face mm. <laughs> throughout the whole process. I think a big part of it also, Rania, is, is um, when you're pregnant, you do know life is about to change. But I don't think you realize just how much it's going to change. And I think a part of it is also grieving your old self and missing your old self. And there's guilt there too. And 
now in the place where I am, where I've really made peace with this, I'm not ashamed anymore to say I love my six-year-old daughter. I think she's the most amazing person in the world. Yet this weekend, my husband and daughter uh, drove down to Palestine and it was an amazing weekend. I spent the whole weekend by myself. And I feel like it's it was so important for me to recharge without feeling guilty. There's nothing wrong. I mean, you could love your child and want to be away from them. You could be so happy with your life right now and miss your old self and the freedom that you had in the past. You can have both things. You can live in the contradiction of what it is to be human. But the, the face that we feel that we need to put out to the world is that I was made to be a mom and this is all that I am. And anything else that I feel or that I think or that I dream of, I better keep to myself because what are people going to think? Mm. Society is very hard on women like that and we're hard on ourselves because of it. That um, we, we feel we, we can't enjoy or love or want the other things as well that's it you know it's motherhood and now from now on I'm a carer I sacrifice for others and I only think about what I want for them and forget the self and I definitely forgot myself for quite a few years I had to get that back I think you said something that's so key here where you said we are hard on ourselves because here's what I've learned I've learned that we think that other people are going to judge us so we keep all of these feelings inside. But when, once I started talking about this, it was met with so much love, with so much compassion and so much empathy. So it's not true that people are going to judge us for it, at least not the people who are close to you. And I do the same for them now. So a big part of it is us judging ourselves. This is what, what I always say to moms and uh, why it's so important to practice self-love and to practice self-care and to notice that negative voice in your head, that critic inside your mind that's telling you you're not doing well enough as a mom. Look at you, look at your house, look at your kids and, you know, judging yourself, uh, thinking that others are judging you. But the truth is the sound and this voice is only coming from the inside. And if you verbalize and articulate and share what you're feeling with those around you and with people that you trust, I can assure you that it's going to be um, it's going to be welcome with arms wide open. Uh, people want honesty. And once you share something like this about yourself, once you share this very vulnerable part of yourself, you open the door for others to show up fully. And with this kind of authentic vulnerability, too. And that's where deep and honest um, relationships are built. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, going to the doctor at least to to say that you're feeling these things is very necessary because there are more extreme symptoms of PDD. It's not, um, you know, baby blues might be the sadness, might be the... Uh, anxiety but there are more extreme symptoms that are very very dangerous for the baby and for the mother like um, you know obsessive compulsive disorder panic disorder post-traumatic uh, stress and the psych and psychosis um, can you know lead to th thoughts of suicide of hurting the baby um, 
repetitive obsessions, you know, with like keep um, maybe bathing the baby over and over and over or, you know, things like that. And so you can't let it just get out of hand thinking that, well, it'll pass. It's just my hormones. It's really worth going to a doctor and talking to people and reading about it. I think, you know, when we don't know something, how are we going to fix it? So the more we talk about it, the more mothers know, you know, that this is a possibility, I think, yeah. the safer it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this idea of also of sacrifice of the mom needing to give all of herself to her family and to her kids. I think that we grew up uh, thinking that this is the right thing to do. This is noble. You know, we grew up, most of us, at least with moms who I'm talking about my mom and the moms that I knew Uh, growing up who stopped working when they had kids whose life literally revolved around having kids so that programmed me and people in my generation to think that this is what we need to do when we have our own kids so when you have your kid and you're going through all of these feelings and there's still this need inside you to you know, for sex, self-actualization, uh, I want to do more things with my life. You feel guilty about that because, come on, you need to be the mom who sacrifices everything. And I think that maybe on the surface, from what we were taught, this is the right thing to do, the noble thing to do. But the truth is, it would be hurting our kids more than helping them. Um, our children grow up and learn about the world and how to live and operate in the in this world from us, from our modeling. So if I put everyone else's needs ahead of mine, uh, my kids, my house, my, you know, the cooking, the cleaning, doing all of these things first, and then rarely having any time for myself, I might think, wow, look at me, I'm an awesome mom. But what my kid learns is that when she grows up, this is what she's supposed to do. And if I have a son, then when he grows up, he's going to think this is what his wife is supposed to do. So this conversation is really important to to be had between partners and with families as well, that there is no shame of wanting more from your life because your kids are going to follow in your footsteps. And if they see you taking care of yourself, looking after yourself, you know, eating well, sleeping well, exercising, these basic things, they learn that these things are important. And then you can take it even a step further to tell them I need half an hour of quiet time. This is the time that I give to myself. In order for me to give you guys, I need to take care of myself. I have this conversation with my daughter often that now she doesn't interrupt me in my quiet time. I also have this conversation with her when her dad and I want to go go on you know, for a weekend getaway without her. I explained that for mom and dad to be the best mom and dad for you, we need to spend time alone. And that was unheard of when I was a kid. My mom and dad never traveled without us because she thought that I, that we wouldn't appreciate that. And we wouldn't understand that. And you do still hear the judgment. My husband and I went on a weekend a few weekends ago Um, We left Amman for just a couple of days. And I did hear a lot of comments from both sides of the family. Like, where where did you leave her? And who's she with? And although she was with my mom and she was safe and everything, but there's still that kind of judgment. So there's that education that starts in the house and the the small revolution that starts in the house that then 
uh, can can have a ripple effect on the whole society and community. Exactly. And, it, you know, it's really diff- difficult when you're trying to um, break those patterns and teach your child something different because you want her to have a happier life where she realizes she can have boundaries and she can have time for herself and she can experience joy and pleasure in other areas and not just lose herself sort of being a mum once she's a mum. And, and they're all great lessons. But if everyone else around you in the community is not agreeing with that new pattern mm-hmm. and they're making it look like a bad thing, that can be really difficult to work with. And I remember my parents were only really in my 40s that I started saying, you know what, no, I need to go on a holiday or I need to do this. And they're staying with their dad and they would all be guilt tripping me. So the kids got the message that this was a bad thing and mummy was mean and mummy was going away and, you know, and not accepting it. And I really had to fight against that. So it's difficult when you live in a culture, a community where nobody else really sees that that is a positive thing and they continue to repeat these patterns yeah. you know over and over again and and you find yourself doing it just because you don't want to go against the grain and and cause problems because everyone's telling you it's wrong when you know it's right yeah and this applies to a lot of areas when it comes to parenting i mean i work with parents on conscious and peaceful parenting which i'll, I'll just give you one of the examples is we don't believe in punishments and we don't believe in grounding our kids we don't believe in rewards. And can you imagine uh, the how other people see this? What my mom sees when my daughter does something wrong and instead of yelling at her and instead of sending her to her room and instead of taking the iPad away, I sit down and I have a conversation with her. That for our traditional society, for the traditional way of looking at parenting is going against the grain. So yes, I think... I think it does take a lot of courage to change these things, but it always starts from the home. And our kids learn from what we do, not what we say, you know? So if she's, so I'm, I'm so glad you said that you did go on that vacation, even though people were making you feel bad and, and feel guilty about it because the lesson your kids got is mom needed this break. And then probably mom came back in a better mood and ready to be patient with us again. So we're actually doing them so much good when we do um, take care of ourselves. I mean, it's again, the cliche of putting on your own mask first, your own oxygen mask first uh, before taking care of anyone around you. Yeah, I mean, I I had a a mother who was always there for me, always sacrificing, didn't work, didn't really have a social life unless it was going out, all of us as a family, Um, didn't put herself first in any way, didn't have hobbies on the side. Really, that's what I was learning. Um, And I did that myself for many, many years with the children. But what it resulted in was very irritable mothers, very short-tempered mothers, very resentful mothers. Rather than enjoying watching your children growing up, you're sort of feeling like a martyr where no one's appreciating you enough. And and now I've got to a stage, thank goodness, where I'm joyful nearly all of the time and I can handle any pressures or any problems with calmness because I don't have a short fuse so I can now only see what the point is of keeping a balance in your life so that you're actually a better mom it doesn't make you selfish 
Exactly. And, you know, with many of the moms that I work with, um, a lot of them don't work and haven't gone back to work since they had kids. And, and I'll give you an example of someone who has a 10-year-old son. And she said, uh, well, he's still young. I'm not ready to go back to work. And at the same time, she is feeling very resentful. She's mad at her husband. She's mad at her kids. Uh, and she doesn't know why. She can't put her finger on it. And I've had to work with her for months to convince her that her going back to work is not just about the money. She keeps telling me, I don't need the money, so we're, we're fine, we're good, and all of these things that I explained to her and I explained to all the moms that I work with, that doing what you love, whether that's uh, you know going back to a job that you loved before or starting a new business from home or doing whatever it is that is for you, not for anyone else. There's a certain level of satisfaction that comes from that that you cannot get anywhere else. And when you do that, yes, maybe the quantity of the time you're spending with the kids might be less, but the quality is so much better. So I'm sure a kid would much rather have a mom who's happy to play with them in the morning for an hour and happy to give them a bath and bedtime and read a story for an hour at night um, happily, uh, calmly, uh, patiently, at least most of the time, if we can, versus a mom who's there the whole day, but she's so tired and she's so bored and she's so understimulated because she's not having any adult conversation. But at the end of the day, you can say, wow, well, she spent 12 hours with this kid. But, but is it about the 12 hours or is it about how she was? When she mm. was with this kid. And not just that, once that mother and her role as a mother is not needed as much and they go off to university and they have their own lives and they work, then it's very hard for her to pick up and sort of go back to work in the way that she did before, get back into the flow of things, have a social life again. It's not easy if you've kind of put that aside and shelved it. So then they're at a loss mm -hmm. and they become very needy and very um, depressed and lonely that, well, now what? Now what am I any good for? And that actually yeah. puts pressure on the child. Yeah. So, you know, I felt a real responsibility that my mother is alone and that, you know, she, she needs me to entertain her. She needs me to take care of her needs. She needs me to think for her, me to plan for yeah. her. And that's a huge responsibility that you're putting then on your child when they feel that you don't have a life that you're busy with and happy enough with and getting along with, uh, you know, your own stuff. You know, I, I loving, lovingly joke about this, um, that my mom calls me, I swear, not less than, I don't know, on a normal day, 15, 10 to 15 times a day. And I know that the reason is she doesn't have much else going on. The three girls are out of the house, we're married, we're with kids, and she didn't build a life for herself that doesn't include us. So now she feels that she needs the, the constant communication and connection and conversation, and she literally lives her life through us. And I can totally relate to what you're saying, because I do feel guilty about my mom being on her own, or if she calls and I don't pick up. 
um, I, I just keep getting this nagging feeling that I have to do something to help her. So what I, I think about for myself and for, for the moms that I work with is let's not wait until we get to that point to try to figure it out. With my mom, I, I, you know, I buy her books and I convince her to go take some cooking classes or do whatever. But why wait until then to try to figure it out? And if it's not a job that you want to go back to, if it's not a business that you want to start, what hobby do you have? What is one thing that you can do for yourself? Is it horseback riding? Is it crocheting? Is it writing? For no reason, nobody needs to see what you're writing. But what is one thing that you're doing for yourself that is so fulfilling where you don't feel the time is passing? That is the thing that you need to focus on for you Mm. and for your kids. Definitely. And Muna, you said earlier on when we were chatting that your sisters also had postpartum and they didn't know and you didn't know. So when you had it and you shared with them, did that make them realize that they had gone through it? And how how was it that you didn't notice they were going through something as well? You know, when you thought, well, my sisters were fine, so I'll be fine. How come you didn't notice that yeah. something in them had shifted? Because I think that's a really good way for us to notice how easy it is to miss. Yeah, it's so easy to miss. And I actually, now that you bring this up, I feel bad that I didn't notice with especially with my eldest sister, because when she had the baby, they were living in Oman and she came and had the baby in Jordan. So she stayed with us for three months. The baby was right there. And I remember her crying a lot. And I remember her saying it was because breastfeeding was painful. So I would take the baby away. I thought it was physical. I thought she was in pain. She had a cesarean uh, uh, delivery. So she was in pain getting up and sitting down. I didn't know it was emotional I didn't know there was any I didn't know that she was feeling sad on the inside and then with my second sister I was also still living in uh, in Jordan and I used to see her on daily basis but she was really good uh, about not showing us uh, what she was feeling and the funny thing is when I did take these pills now I'm talking about it so comfortably and confidently but I only shared this with my sisters last year So five years after it happened, five and a half years after it happened, uh, because I thought they wouldn't understand because up until that point, I didn't know that they had gone through that either. So what they saw was uh, a new mom who was going through a hard time, like normally, or at least I think that's what they thought. And then the next thing they know, I was taking uh, coaching certifications. I was into so many different courses and books and all of these things. And I was starting to come back to life and they saw that, but they didn't know about the part of me seeing a psychiatrist and me getting on the pills and me getting off the pills without my doctor's approval, but like doing all of these things, I did that in full uh, privacy, just my husband and one of my friends who was a pharmacist knew about that. But now with new moms, you know, there's this feeling whenever I see a new mom and maybe that's my... Um, and I don't want to say this lightly, but it's my PTSD on postpartum is that the second I see a mom with a with a child with a with an infant, my first feeling is I feel so sad for her and I want to go hug her and I want to tell her whatever you're feeling, it's okay. And I can I feel so much empathy for moms uh, of you know the early, early, early days. And 
and like you said, I talked to my friends about it because I have a lot of friends who had babies after me and I didn't want to be like, oh, by the way, it's going to be terrible and horrible and all of that. I just said that it's it's not what you read in magazines. It's not what you read online. There's a lot more to that. And we, we describe it, my friends and I describe it as a tunnel. You're about to go into this tunnel and there's light at the end of the tunnel. But when you're in there, I want you to remember that you're not alone. You're not the first person to feel this. There's nothing wrong with you. This is completely normal. And you're going to come out the, the other side. And I'm willing to go into that tunnel with you if you yeah, need me to. That's beautiful. And, and do you feel that it makes you fear having another child when you know that you went through that with your first child? Yeah, it, it definitely does. I mean, it, it's so my husband and I had decided from the beginning that it was just going to be one child because he has two boys already mm. so for me there wasn't that big question of will I won't I uh, but I remember talking to him about it and saying I thought that after I had Layla that I would start you know nagging and saying come on let's have another but it was so hard that I, I can't imagine going through that again. Although I do understand now that with the perspective that I have, that a second child would have been easier, maybe. Although when you read about postpartum depression, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you don't have it with the first kid, you have it with the second. And so it's, it's different every single time. But at least I feel like I have the perspective. I've, I've seen what it feels like. I know that it passes. Yeah. So going through it, would be easier, I would imagine. Mm. And you know, every child is different as well. So it, it might have been a breeze with one child and another one has colic or is a bit more um, irritable or, you know, whatever it is that it's not as easy. Exactly. And you think, what? But I've done this before, you know? I thought I, I knew it all. Yeah, but um, you've done this before and you didn't have anyone else in the house. When you do it again, you have a toddler or maybe two in the house. Yes, who needs not, you and yeah. It's not the same when people tell me, well, I am the exact same mom to both of my kids. I'm like, no, you're not. You mm. can't be. It's it's impossible. You're, new, you're a different person right mm. now. I remember feeling huge guilt as well, having a second child, um, that I was in a way abandoning and not going to be able to give as much attention to my first child. And I remember talking to my doctor about it. And thank goodness he said it's very normal. A lot of mums feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, guilt, guilt is, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my sister about this yesterday. I said, I uh, begged my husband to take my daughter to Palestine this weekend. I, I wanted to be on my own. I wanted to spend some time reading. I wanted to spend some time, you know, literally meeting with myself for work. And I, if, if I tell you what I did this weekend on paper, it sounds amazing. I mean, I cooked for myself. I listened to music. I danced. I journaled. I did all of the things. But the overwhelming feeling that I had all weekend until I noticed it, which is last night, was guilt. I was feeling so guilty being happy, being away from my daughter, at the same, at the same time feeling guilty that I'm on my own and I could go see my mom, I could go see my sister, I could do something productive for other people. And mm. that guilt took away from from this weekend until last night I was like whoa 
oh, where is this coming from? Why is my heart beating so fast? Why am I feeling anxious? And I sat with the feelings until I saw, oh, it's guilt. So today I called my husband. I'm like, listen, I just got, got over the guilt. Can, can you postpone a few days? He's like, no, I'm coming today. <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's it's so useless. It's such a waste of energy having that guilt that, you know, you're doing the thing anyway. You might as well enjoy it, but it really does kill that buzz. Yeah, yeah. And I think it comes from childhood. I mean, since we are kids, you start hearing things like don't do that or mom's going to be upset with you. Or, you know, they, we, mm. we make our children feel bad. And, and this is where guilt comes from. You know, we're not actually born with it. It's, yes. it's a learned emotion. So if it's a learned emotion, then we can unlearn it. And it all starts with, with consciousness and with noticing and with awareness. And I think it's so ironic. And that's what I was saying to my sister yesterday is I coach moms on these things. And yet I caught myself feeling the, the exact same thing that I teach moms how to, you know, get over. Mm. it's so deeply ingrained in us it's such a deep programming that it, it it's going to take a bit more work uh, to to be okay with saying no to be okay with because the way that I thought about it is is yes I could go have lunch with my mom but I really want to be on my own so if I say yes to my mom what am I saying to myself yeah. I'm saying no to myself and I think I would be a better daughter. I'm excited to see my mom tomorrow for lunch. We've already planned it because I've done what I need to do for myself. And now I'm available emotionally and physically. I won't be sitting with her thinking, oh, I wish I wasn't here. Yes. And I think that was a big aha moment for me when I heard that one about when you're saying yes to everyone else, you're saying no to yourself. Like it didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. I was always saying no to myself because especially for us women we've mm. been we've been raised to be people pleasers and to be nice and to smile and to put everyone else's needs ahead of our own and and that at the end of the day is not only harmful for us it really is harmful for everyone around us well Mona thank you so much I could talk to you forever it's been really really interesting sharing sort of woman to woman more vulnerable intimate feelings that we all go through I'm sure and that's hopefully going to encourage lots of other women to do exactly the same and if it's never crossed their mind that that's something that they went through or could be going through or a friend is going through I hope it sort of um, sends off you know some signals and uh, alerts alarms that that could be it that opens that conversation because the more open we are about yeah. it, the more we talk about it, the more we can deal with it and handle yeah. it much, much better and have healthier children, healthy, healthier, balanced lives as parents. Yeah. And, you know, that's important from one generation to another. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, my message for, for moms who are going through this or who have gone through it in the past or who know someone who might be is please ask for help there's no shame in asking for help and people we genuinely like to help others so know that when you do ask people are going to be happy to lend a helping hand in times like these thank you Mona. thank you for having me rania it's been a pleasure thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode of breaking free 
please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms. And of course, I'd really love it if you can subscribe, rate or review the show. You can reach me directly at raniakurdi.com if you would like to ask a question, comment on what you heard today or find out how I can support you on your journey.